This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to Football a la Turca. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, episode, uh, season two, episode 24 for match day 24 in the Turkish Super League. My name is Kam Weizet and I am joined by the Gustepe Wonderkid, Umut Naderi, and also our uh, Trabzonle correspondent, Jakub Marofolo. I don't have an original nickname for you this week, but Jakub, uh, you will have to forgive me. To disappoint me, King of the North. <laughs> yeah, the, the, last week I called him the what was it? The, the fluffer of the King of the North or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, no uh, Burak here this week. He was supposed to be here, but he had some emergency. Unfortunately, I, I don't think it's Corona, but you never know. And Uzer also couldn't make it this week, so it's just the three of us. We're a little later than usual. Um, but we will do our best to provide you our very best uh, content this week again. And uh, we kind of ignored last week. Uh, we spoke about it briefly, guys, about Başakşehir here in the Europa League. They had just lost 3-1 to Sporting and we kind of glossed over it. Um, I think I asked the question, are they going to pull another Gladbach stunt out of their hat? And I think we all kind of thought, no, that's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> guess what? They did, they most definitely did, uh, beating uh, Sporting Clube de Portugal. It's not Sporting Lisbon, I was told once. You have to say Sporting Clube de Portugal. Uh, they beat them uh, 4-1 in at a time, though. It was 3-1 at full time, and then, uh, I believe, a penalty in the 118th minute by Edin Vizca made it 4-1. Great result, of course, for Turkish football. We desperately needed that after Besiktas, Galatasaray, Trabzonspor, and uh, who was the other team? Ah, of course, Malatya Sport going out in the qualifiers. So uh, the three other clubs really disappointed this year, or the four other clubs, I should say. Although I think Malatya had a, they had a good run in the qualifiers, but they were just a little bit unlucky. But uh, Besiktas, Galatasaray, and, and Trabzonspor, especially those uh, three, disappointed. But Besiktas got out of the groups. Uh, in a very tough group with AS Roma, Borussia Mönchengladbach, of course. And now they pro- progress to the round of 16, where they'll face Copenhagen. Guys, w- what did you think of the performance of uh, Basakshi here? Uh, Jakub, let's start with you. Um, well, I think we all um, have to give have to give some of the Basakshi fans, I don't know if there is a lot... Um, some uh, explanation that um, we also just we, we just seem to uh, gloss over their uh, their performance every time um, because we're pretty much all fans of the big four teams. But you know you have to give Umut uh, Okamburuk um, props because you know um, 
he once again proves that he that he is actually a really good trainer, um, and uh, the team is the team is a team not to be underestimated. You know, they they seem to uh, they have really great players in uh, in Visha in Mahmut Tekdemir. Um, I just forgot their uh, their 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 forward's name. Jembaba and Zokrivelli. And Zokrivelli, you know, they are, they are a pretty scary team. They just um, they fl they flew under the radar for a long time because um, they are known as you know a government team and um, you know not not having a lot of fans, but they play wonderful football. Um, that 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 they have shown for for a couple of years now, but they are just unbelievable. And I I hope that finally now that we do. You know, watch the games and um, give them a lot more um, uh, props for it. They just keep going. You know, we need some teams in Europe this year, and I hope they just keep on going the way they do. Yeah, and they're finally building up their coefficient, Umut, so that also bodes well for next season, perhaps, if they have to play qualifiers again. They're doing well in the league right now, so they are almost certainly going to go into Europe, at least into qualifiers again next season. They're up against Copenhagen in the round of 16. That is, of course, a team that managed to knock out Celtic. Um, yeah, that's not an easy match, but I do think in, in, in regards to who is left in the tournament... Definitely a favorable draw, a match that they well, a, a matchup that they could win. I'm not saying they have to. Obviously, I think it's a it's a realistic opponent for them to beat. But obviously, they could go out against them as well. Copenhagen didn't come here uh, by chance. Well, uh, after a manager like Abdullah Avcı, who sends his C team to these European competitions and doesn't even care about winning there or like uh, scoring there, Okan Buruk is the man who knows these European games have worth and really crucial games as he experienced the best of them. You know, he has uh, he was a member of that team who lifted the UFL Cup and the Super Cup back in the day and. Right now he is going to Copenhagen, uh, which, where he lifted the UEFA Cup uh, back in 2000, and I believe he'll have his goosebumps uh, when he arrived there. Because even I, uh, when I see the stadium, uh, Copenhagen Parken Stadium, uh, it brings back too many memories. Uh, even though I haven't seen it live, uh, but I watched it time and time again. Uh, it's a really important uh, history for Turkish football. And I think Okan Buruk will do his best uh, in order to qualify from this stage. Yeah, definitely. And let's uh, pause a little bit and, and reflect a little bit on this performance against Sporting because it's a match in which they went 2-0 up. Uh, I believe in the first half they just uh, scored, Alexic scored a, a magnificent free kick just before halftime, making it 2-0. Um, then there was a phase in the match where Vieto from Sporting really should have gotten sent off, but was allowed to remain on the pitch. And of course he is the one that ends up scoring the goal for Sporting, which at that point saw them virtually true. But then in added time, um, Edin Vischa, who had really played a pretty poor match that thus far in in the game curled it in from the edge of the area fantastic strike to make a 3-1 sending them into additional uh time and then of course in the 118 minutes the same vieto who should have gotten sent off in uh, this match before he ever got the scoring 
committed the penalty foul and there uh, out uh, Edin Vizca converted again. Uh, at the moment, at the time, I was really um, kind of distraught because Dembaba was actually on the pitch and Vizca still stepped up to take that penalty. And Vizca is a decent penalty taker, but he has missed his share of crucial penalties over the last couple of years, including, I believe, one uh, against Olympiacos in the Champions League qualifiers this season. Um, yeah, really, when you have Dembaba on the pitch, he did end up scoring, of course, Vizca. But I think Dembaba should be taking those penalties. What, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think it was in the heat of the moment. You know, every, every other player, um, you know, uh, deals with it in a different way. Um, I remember back when, when, when the Netherlands were playing, I think in the Euros, that no player wanted to, you know, do the free, do the penalties. And uh, you just need to have a player that is confident in himself. And even though Demaba might be a better penalty kicker at those moments, like there are, there are only two minutes to go. You just need, a, you, need you just need someone with the balls and with the with the confidence in himself to kick it. So um, as long as it's done with um, in coordinates with the with, with the manager, I don't think it's a big issue to have a player like that take it. What do you think, Umut? Well, uh, I think Edin Wischa is the right man because I think he is the leader of the team and we can't simply call him the Başakşehir ambassador, you know. He is there since the club was called Belediyespor, Büyükşehir Belediyespor, since I think uh, 2011, maybe. So it's been yeah. like 10 years he has been there. Like So I think he is pretty much the leader of the team and... Uh, I think he's a captain right now, yeah? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, pretty much uh, it's a good, good choice uh, on their part because uh, I think he's confident enough to take it and he did score and it's a pretty good achievement for them. All right, well, let's uh, head over to the Super League matches. Congratulations, of course, to Bashakshir and a big thank you to Bashakshir this season for finally salvaging some coefficient points. Although, I do think they owed Turkish football quite a bit after their... Uh, embarrassments over the last couple of seasons in Europe, uh, especially in the Europa League, where in the Champions League qualifiers, of course, they had a, a good run against Sevilla, they did really well against Brugge, but then, like it was already said, Abdullah Avci didn't seem to care much about the Europa League, almost as if it was beneath him and Bashakshir, or just, you know, was uh, beneath their, their priority. And uh, an interesting tweet from uh, uh, Turkish football, uh, they said uh, that Abdullah Avci's uh, uh, coaching license should be revoked because of uh, all the damage he's done to the Turkish coefficient over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, that's a, maybe a little extreme, I think, but yeah. He definitely did uh, sacrifice Europe uh, in favor of the league. Anyway, so let's, let's over to the Super League and let's start off with um, not the league leaders anymore, but... They probably will be soon. Trabzonspor, they took on Rizespor at home and uh, really uh, had a good go at it. They went behind Jakub, but they ended up winning rather emphatically. Uh, not much trouble for them. They scored five goals against two of Rizespor, and yet Alexander Surlot did not get on the score sheet. What did you think uh, of the game in, in general? Um, well, I think that the, the, the Rizespor games are always one of the hardest because of the uh, because of the rivalry there is. Um, I remember the first game away, what the, that we were also 1-0 behind, uh, and that when we won 2-1, thanks to Sturridge, RIP Sturridge. 
Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, yeah, I thought that problems were just just more horrible. You know, they couldn't really string passes together. Um, the last couple of weeks, I have seen like a downturn in uh, in Sosa's performance mm. um, with Ndiaye on the pitch. I think he's just letting Ndiaye do more and more, and he's trying to conserve himself for the last stretch of uh, stretch of games. You know, for the championship. But um, he seems to be really lacking this week. He didn't play that well. But um, yeah, Trabzonspor showed that they still have that big team mentality. You know, normally um, we are known as a team that menta- uh, the mentality-wise that just drops drops away the moment that we concede a goal. But um, you you just could 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 see in the team that they didn't give up. You know, you had players. Playing their hearts out, Ekuman is back in the back in the squad and he's really playing really well. Uh, Wakayeme had like the greatest game of his career. He played the second half, and in the second half he had two assists, one goal, and uh, and um, and had a penalty. I think. You know, we we uh, the, the big games. I'm not going to go like Fatih Terim say that the big games are easier than the other games, but um, you know you have to yeah. <laughs> Uh, the road it, to I the think it's easier to get your players uh, very focused for the big games. I, that's probably yeah. what Fatih means by that. Because, you know, the smaller games are on paper easier, but it's not always that easy to get your, your squad motivated and 100% with their heads in that match and not looking maybe towards the derby around the corner or something like that. Yeah, I think that um, especially when you're trying to, you know, play for the title... The big games should, you know, should sort themselves out, so to say. You know, you, the the players should have been focused for those games anyway, for the for the big rivals. Um, but you have to have it from like the mid-table teams and, and the relegation teams. Those are the ones that you should be scared of, because it's known that that generally, on the road to the championship, you might lose valuable points against those guys. Um, and even though Chelsea is playing really, really great this year, they they have uh, they have acquired. Um, you know, Karaman as a coach, don't know how to feel about that one, to be honest. Um, yeah, because Ismail but- Kartal resigned or got sacked uh, after this defeat to Rizespor. Um Were you surprised at all by the fact that he ended up, uh, yeah, leaving Rize? I mean, as I said, I think that he he was doing pretty well. You know, he was he was a he was a great pretty good coach, and um, I think I don't have the score sheet. I, have, I don't have the league table in front of me at the moment, points. but. Okay, just above the relegation, I think. Yeah, Four yeah. It, it's weird because it's weird because they they have really been performing better than they should have this year. Um, had some great matches. I think they they won against Fenerbahce. Yeah. Uh. Wait. No. They, no. 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 Wait. Oh, Jason scored from like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that game. That game. No. They anyway, held, they, they held Besiktas to a draw at Vodafone Park. Yeah, they they have been doing pretty well this year, but you know, um, after a game loss, uh, after a big loss like that, like you you, you lose five two against Trabzonspor, um, some heads should roll, you know. And um, as I said, I'm I'm not sure if that was a great decision. They do have you know Karaman now, who's mm-hmm. a really good coach. Um, but yeah, well, yeah we'll I don't know. see yeah, how good he is now. He had really good material at Trabzonspor. He definitely uh, turned, changed some things at Trabzonspor. Maybe mentality-wise, more than anything in the fact, in the in the sense that Trabzonspor, for the first time in a long time, looks really formidable in all the big matches. Not just uh, you know they usually have like one or two good big games uh, against Galatasaray, against Besiktas, but they tend to struggle against Fenerbahce. But that 
mental hurdle seems to have been uh, completely uh, uh, gotten rid of. As, again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this too. Midweek uh, in the cup, of course, in in the the first leg of the semi-finals, Trabzonspor beat Fenerbahce two to one. That match was played uh, yesterday uh, on, on Tuesday. Um, they were leading 2-0 uh, up until like the 82nd minute and then mm-hmm. uh, conceded a goal. N- not an ideal situation, of course. 2-0 would have been far better. But still, you know, Trabzonspor continue uh, to also uh, win those big games in the Cup now too. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, do you, How do you see the chances for Trabzonspor going into that second leg now against Fenerbahce? Do you feel like uh, they're closing in on that uh, Turkish Cup final? I mean, I'm, 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 for the first time in a long while, I'm actually confident in the team. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy with how the team plays. We, we, we have some couple of issues where some players are underperforming. As I said, um, Sosa hasn't been doing that well. Um, normally, he's one of, the, one of the stars of the team. And, you know, we, I'm, I'm one of the biggest fans of his. So it's disappointing to see. But I think that as long as we don't have, like, big injuries... Um, from what I've heard, Yusuf Sare is injured once again. Mm. Um, he was he, he was in a in a in a um, in a tackle against against Da Costa or something in the in the training, and it is said that he's 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 gone for a long while once again for like a couple of weeks. <clears throat> um, and I think that as long as we don't have um, you know red card suspensions and things, and um, I don't think we have any red card suspensions if I'm not wrong. No, Miguel uh, was suspended against Fenerbahce, but he's back now, of course, for the league match yeah. this weekend. So I think I think we should be doing well. You know, you you have Ekuban coming back stronger than he uh, than he is. The second goal, he had a wonderful wonderful run, um, and he, he he gave a wonderful pass to Novak. Um, our left back scores a lot of goals, so I'm I'm really happy with the whole contribution in the team. But I also thought that after the second goal, you you could just see the Fenerbahce goal coming. I think it might be a little little lapse. You know, they 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 thought that they had it in the bag, and uh, Fener wasn't doing that great, to be honest. I think that this was one of the, uh, you know, the the one of the worst matches. Um, they played at one point. I think they played like with seven midfielders. Yeah, <laughs> they Charleston the only... and, uh, and and Gustavo were playing center back, and Gustavo actually. Uh, had a very good match at center back. I felt like he had a lot of crucial interceptions. Uh, yeah, prevent... he's so good. Yeah. Maybe they should have uh, played him at the center back <clears throat> uh, instead of Jalson for this season. And because uh, Jalson, you know, the, the the derby a couple of weeks ago. Of course, I think Gustavo was suspended for that, but uh, he definitely uh, does a better job there than uh, than Jalson does. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's 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 it's, uh, it's unfortunate that Burak isn't here or Pat. But it's it's just really unbelievable how a big team like Fenerbahce just has been playing players out of position for like what seems like the whole season now, mm-hmm. and um, you could you could see in you could see it in the in the way they play in the in, in the mistakes the defenders make that they are they, they just aren't used to playing in those positions and it, against Trondelspor you could see that because um, outside of outside of outside of Luis Gustavo I really didn't see anything that I liked of Fenerbahce. Normally, I'm a big fan of uh, of Kruse, but Kruse didn't get the ball at all. Um, was on Tufan did something, I guess. Uh, Tolkai was pretty okay. 
but it was a lot of it was it was a lot of you know it, it, uncertainty. I don't know what, what what the best word to use here is, but the, they they seemed like really wonky in the midfield, pretty much overall overall the team. And um, yeah, you could you could see it. You know, Enrosiano has, has played his last game, which is really weird. He was he was fired yeah. in the weekend, but still played, uh, still managed the team. And um, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm wondering what uh, what what the board is going to do at uh, at Fener, what they're going to do, uh, you know, next year, but they just can't keep going like this, you know. Yeah, let's talk about that quickly because Fenerbahce, of course, over the weekend played in the league against Antalya Sport and they played to a 2-2 draw there. And of course, after that match, Ersun Yanal uh, resigned or was fired. We never really know in Turkey, you know what what uh, what the deal is. Uh, but, you know, we'll, I'm sure he'll get a, a severance package. Um, but he was still on the bench, of course, midweek against Trabzonspor. That was also, I believe it was announced on Monday morning uh, that Yanal uh, will be leaving the team um, after the Trabzonspor match. So it's going to be curious to see who comes in as his replacement. Uh, but before we start talking a little bit about that, you know, let's talk a little bit about Antalya match because Lukas Podolski really stole, uh, stole the show here. Vedat Mugic had opened the scoreline in the first half to put uh, Fenerbahce ahead. Uh, I think this was a, a good game from both sides. Uh, lots of attacks on, on on both sides. Both teams wanted to score, wanted to play uh, attacking football. Um, Fenerbahce didn't necessarily start defending like Madman, didn't park the bus after the 1-0. But then Antalyaspor really struck pretty quickly in the second half. Lukas Podolski with a very nice assist on the 1-1. And then again on the 1-2, he gave an assist from a free kick uh, for the 2-1, sorry. Uh, and then it didn't wasn't until the sixth minute of stoppage time where Miha Zajic scored on an assist from Ferdi Kadiolo. And that is very interesting because those are two players that the Fenerbahce fans have been clamoring for all season. You know, you, Jakub just spoke about it. Many players being played out of position. Burak repeats it week in, week out. What is Tolga Zierji doing on the flanks? What is... Uh, a guy like that or Ozan Tufan doing on, on the left and the right mid positions. Um, and then, of course, when you have guys like Miha Zajic, like uh, Ferdi Kadiolo, who, granted, neither of them are wingers uh, per se. They're more attacking midfielders. But Zajic is somebody that came in from Empoli with high expectations. Um, he has had good matches for sure, but he's just gotten a very limited amount of opportunities from Ersun Yanal. Uh, the same could be said by from Ferdi Cardiolo. He really didn't get any opportunities in the beginning of the season. Then I believe he he like scored an important goal or something, and suddenly uh, it was impossible for Yanal to keep ignoring him, uh, and he got a little bit more opportunities, mostly from the bench. But that's a kid, he's, how old is Ferdi now? 19, 20 years old. He's a, he's, a, he's a huge talent. He does show his ability. I think every when he gets an opportunity, you, you don't see a kid on the pitch. You see already a good quality footballer that has a lot of potential to become better. Um, and I, I don't know if, if, if Janal thinks he's protecting him or what, but... Yeah, and, and Zajic too. I mean, last season, again, the 3-3 against Besiktas, uh, he was kind of the catalyst of that comeback with that 3-1 really early in the second half. Uh, and Zajic has come up with a couple of clutch goals for Fenerbahce since in, in his short time at the club. And they those two players continue to get ignored, and that's one of the big 
criticisms on Yamal. And it's a little ironic that those two players combined right at the end there to salvage a point for them. Um, but Antalya Spor, the fans, the coaching staff, the players not happy. Five minutes were added on and that goal came well into the sixth minute of added time. It was like 5.45 or something like that. Um, Brock seemed to feel that there was a lot of time wasting. I was watching the match, but I was like watching it with one eye. To be fair, I was doing some other stuff at the same time. And uh, I have to be honest, I don't feel like you can properly judge if there was a, a lot of excessive time wasting. But usually you, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you notice when there is like, when there's, in, I didn't notice any injuries being faked, uh, goal kicks taking 40, 45 seconds to be taken, you know, stuff like that. Uh, did either of you watch the game live? Because obviously that's something you can't really gather from a, a highlight uh, reel. I, I watched like uh, when I saw. Uh, the, let, let me let me say it like this: the the reason or the uh, the choice that I make to watch a game is dependent on how bad Burak is, you know, going off in the group chat. <laughs> so so when I when I saw him flipping flipping his uh, flipping his shit, I thought like, okay, so I think well, he was mainly right flipping now. flipping his shit about Podolski. Uh, playing yeah, so well. and it, it it was to be expected. But um, when I heard it, I was like, let me just take a look at the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm pretty like minded as you. I didn't think there was like um, there was a big um, big issue that that warranted you know the the, the extra minutes. But I also don't think that it was um, that the Antalya sport players or the Fener player were were laying down a lot or doing stuff like that. Um, it does feel a little like you know j- just keep playing until until Fenerbahce scores or until whatever team scores. But um, I don't think it was a big big issue in this game. What did you think, Umut? Was there time wasting too much time wasting that warranted that extra minute on top of the five that were already played? I don't remember, like, uh, I don't recall it. Like, Yeah, and that's the thing for me, too. I don't really remember any time-wasting. Like, there's always going to be a little bit of time-wasting. You know, they're always going to steal a couple of seconds here and there when you're in the lead. That's normal. That Every team does that. And matches still get ended at 94 when there's four minutes added, or 95 when there's 95. At well, uh, I was really frustrated when we were playing uh, versus Alanya uh, mm-hmm. that Marafona wasted yeah. some time but he's, that was he's the cup. He's very famous for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was the cup, not the yeah. league. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's... But that... I, Yeah, I didn't notice that. The, the difference is, of course, you know, when you, like me, you're just watching, like, through one eye. This was an away game, obviously. Uh, when there, When it's a home game, for a Fenerbahce or something, then you notice it by just hearing and hearing the crowd whistle every time there's any time being wasted, you know? So I I didn't have the, the feeling there was a lot of time wasted, but, you know, maybe. Uh, oh, but the thing as well is um, the goal came right after a clearance, but the problem with that clearance was it was, like, intercepted, like, 10, 15 meters in front of the halfway line. So I think... What most refs do, if if that ball, that last ball, gets like blasted over the halfway line, they usually just blow their whistle to end the game. But because it was intercepted, like you know, still 
on Antalya's poor side of the pitch. He allowed that last ball to get pumped into the box. And of course, obviously, uh, that ended up being the equalizer. I, I completely understand Antalya's poor frustration, of, uh, you know, when you can see like uh, in the 96 minute when five were added on. It's always painful. But uh, yeah, it's not like a, a friend of mine sent me a, a screenshot uh, the other day. Uh, of Benfica, who uh, had eight minutes added on, and uh, it was already the 100, mi- 100 minutes when they were still playing, so they had eight minutes already added on at 1-1, uh, they had just gotten a penalty in like the 89 minutes, and then they still ended up playing 10 minutes extra, uh, more than 10 minutes extra, so it wasn't that extreme at least. Uh, but yeah, uh, Burak felt that there was a lot of time wasted, but I, I seem to recall a diff- another match earlier this season where uh, I felt like, uh, you know, there was no need for extra extra seconds. And uh, he was like, oh, there was lots of time wasting. And I didn't agree then, and I, I don't know if I agree now, but I'll take his word for it. Um, so, yeah, Esunyal is gone, of course. Now, who is going to replace him? Burak has been advocating for Errol Bulut, but obviously he is still uh, occupied right, right now with Alanya Spor. He could definitely come in in the summer, I could see that. But that's not going to happen now. What, what do you guys think is going to happen at Fenerbahce? Are they going to bring in somebody permanently? Or are they going to bring in somebody just to bridge the next couple of months? Like, for example, Aykut Kojamano was just released at uh, Konya Spor. Or w- what do you guys expect now? A, a Typhoon Korkut was also being rumored, I, I saw. From what I've heard, um, I've heard that Emre Belezola was the one that's, that was doing the training today. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't... I don't know if it would be a smart decision, but I, I could see them, you know, doing uh, doing Emre a favor and maybe having him like a player coach. Um, because I don't know if it's smart to get someone for like half a season mm-hmm. or um, just have him replaced at the end of the season, you know. And I don't think that they can, you know, have, have anyone join the team on a permanent basis right now because I think that the best the best coach for... For Fenner at the moment is probably Errol Bulut, mm-hmm. and I don't see him. I don't see him leaving. You know, at the moment at, at least. So I think, um, yeah. Normally you just have a caretaker. Um, I don't. They can't. They can't keep uh, Ersun's Ersun's assistant, can they? They 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 just fire the whole whole team. They the can whole if they want staff. to. No, they can. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll do that. I don't think they will. But uh, you know, just just for. You don't really have a lot to play for, to be honest. Not to be a dick or anything. Um, maybe, maybe the Turkish Cup. If 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 you if you if you if you score early at home um, during the away away game for us. But uh, outside of that, uh, just just you know, just give someone. You could probably just give Emre Emre the reins and just let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, they're currently nine points out from a European spot through the league, so they would need Trabzonspor to win the league to and then end in fifth, uh, win the cup if they don't win the cup themselves, of course. Uh, so if Trabzonspor win the cup, uh, then fifth place would also go to the Europa League, uh, and of course that would give uh, Fenerbahce a chance at the European football still. But then they would have to end in fifth. They're currently in sixth place. On uh, level points with Alanya Spor, both have uh, 39 points and Bishtet are on 5th right now. They are on 40 points. 
Um, let's move on. Let's talk about Alanya Spor and Bishiklash for a second there because those two teams squared off this weekend in the league. And uh, Bishiklash came out victorious here through uh, Burak Yilmaz brace and a very late uh, 85th or 86th minute penalty for Bishiklash after Alanya Spor had actually taken the lead in the first half through Junior Fernandez. Uh, but B- Bishiklash uh, struck uh, in the second half, twice through Burak, like I said. I think it was, in terms of uh, the 90 minutes, a ver- an overly deserved win for Besiktas. This was a very good game from them again after last week, playing a good match against Trabzonspor. And really, uh, the last couple of weeks, they have just... You, you can see that the, their their football is definitely improving. Uh, under Sergen Yalcin, it, it's a very big difference compared to the football they were playing under Abdullah Avci. They haven't always gotten what they deserved point-wise. Uh, I think here they definitely got what they deserved given based on the football they played. But they got it through a penalty that maybe shouldn't have been one. There was definitely a handball. But the ball also clearly came off of uh, Kalker's foot before it hits his arm. What do you guys think of that penalty? Umut, let's start with you. What Did you think that was a penalty or not? Well, initially, you can see the contact really clearly, so uh, as referred, but the important thing is uh, if it's uh, counted as a penalty there, because uh, if his hand is uh, in a natural position or just waving away his hands, uh, and I think uh, that was a penalty because he uh, was uh, intercepting the ball while it go it goes to the goal's path, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It will be a dangerous position for uh, Besiktas there, but if uh, the ball hasn't contact with... Uh, who was the name of the defender? Uh, Cocker. Alter's uh, hand. So, I think it was a penalty, in my opinion. But you have to keep in mind, uh, yes, it's still going towards goal, yeah. but... It it does, of course, the trajectory is, is slowed down significantly by the initial block. And does he really have the the opportunity to remove his arm in time? I mean, that's a, it looked like a pretty clear accidental handball to me. Although he does seem to make a movement uh, like a like like a like a reflex. Uh, Sinan on the Black Eagles podcast said uh, like he's. Like you're being stung by a by a mosquito or something, and you flinch. You know that's kind of uh-huh. what it kind of looked like. I'm not sure. I'm biased, of course, uh, so I'm not going to say anything right now. Why uh, yeah, not? Could, well, I. You know, Brock hit it to the goal. You know, just in order yeah. to score it, and he prevented that. Uh, I know it came off from his feet, but it's still. Uh, I don't know. These are two great positions, uh, too hard to handle. The letter of the law, of course, says that if the ball comes off of the player's body, like uh, head or foot or, or leg, and then hits his arm, and it, that, that there usually will not be a penalty. Uh, so according to that law, this should uh, not what have is been that a usually? What is that usually defined? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the thing, you that's know. That's where at least some interpretation. Jakub, what did you think of this position? Should it have been a penalty or not? Um, I watched this game with a Besiktasla friend of mine, and we we always give each other, you know, crap. <laughs> so the first the first thought I had was it was never a penalty. She mm-hmm. get it that, 
But um, now nah, I, I don't know. You know, I'm 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 not the best with the rules. But I thought the same way that you did because it it came off a body part of his that it shouldn't be a penalty. Um, but you know, with VAR, the, the the thing I always think is that even if the referee made a bad choice, uh, the VAR referee could you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, fix that. But I don't know if that if that even happens in Turkey. So in my opinion, it probably you know he. Couldn't ha- if he if he didn't give a penalty, I don't think that I would be like, oh, he made a big mistake. But with giving a penalty, I also don't think it was a big mistake. Okay, uh, and then all in all, what do you think of uh, Besiktas's performance in recent weeks? They they got a deserved point against Trabzonspor last week. Probably should have been a little bit more. They were probably <laughs> unlucky against Basakci here, where they dominated the match but Bashakchi here were a lot better uh in in the final third by finishing them on a counter but still Besiktas weren't bad there either uh if you compare Besiktas right now and you compare it to like the the, the final weeks or or even you know the entire time the entire period under Abdullah Avci are you guys seeing a significant difference uh I mean, I know I am, but I don't know what you guys are as outsiders. Are you seeing a lot of differences? Jakub, let's start with you. Since you watch so many of Besiktas' <laughs> matches with your BFF. Um, well, I, I do think that there's like a night and day difference um, between between how, how you guys played with Abdullah and how you play with Sergen. Um, obviously, they uh, Besiktas do play a little bit better, but I still think that they don't really play that good. Um, There's a lack of quality, I think. But that's... no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a lack of quality. I just think a, a couple of guys are just mentally checked out. I don't know. I don't know why or how. And who do you think would be those guys? Like for me, Janner jumps to mind. Yeah, Janner. Janner. Janner came up a lot. You know, um, after a while, you you just it's just unbelievable how a guy keeps crossing the ball, but not crossing the ball at all, just booting it, and. Um, you know, I, I, there, there are a couple of guys who always do their thing. You know, um, Vida is always class. Uh, Gökhan Gönül is also pretty, pretty, pretty okay. But in, in this game, I just didn't like like Burak at all. It, yeah, it kind of seems, despite yeah, it, it kind of seems that he's trying to conserve himself for, uh, um, you know, for the for the Euros. So he's he isn't really doing a lot. Um, he could get away with it if he still had the pace that he had a couple of years back, but he just doesn't, and he seems kind of like a liability in in the attack. Um, because what I what I always hated about Burak when he was playing for us and uh, Gosfer and whatever team is that when when shit when when stuff doesn't go his way, he 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 he's like a little child, and you can see it in his face. And he's he's supposed to, he's really, he's your captain, isn't he? Yeah, and it's so. Fucking annoying to see a captain, you know, behave that like behave behave that way. Even though he scored uh, two go- two goals, it's still it, 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 I still didn't think that um, he had his best game. And um, you know, I think that the individual qualities are there, but in my opinion, uh, what I think is the big issue at the moment is that they don't really have a lot to play for. You know, they they are they are out of the cup. Um, how many points are you guys behind us Eight. or Basaksehir? Eight. Mm, so the difference can still be made, but uh, you know it's. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the it's play. A, it's really... a huge gap. Besiktas needs Trabzonspor to win the cup if they hope to go to Europe. Realistically, I think, uh, or Besiktas, Galatasaray, Trabzonspor, Sivasspor need to seriously falter uh, and, and yeah. start losing a lot of matches. 
I mean, if if I was in if I was in Stegen's position, I know that this game was 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 a pretty difficult one. I would I would have put Umut Nayer in pretty much like 16th minute or something because you know I was getting so frustrated with Burak and uh, you yeah, can't you say that, but then he scores twice. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, that's 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 his thing. You know, he's a dick. He's he's annoying, but he scores, and that's what that's what makes him such a good striker. But he, he just sucks up the whole attack. And um, Inkudu, did did Nkudu play? Yeah, he was good in this game. Yeah, I did. I did like him uh, because you know he's he's a really fast player. He's a really agile player, and he, he always passes his man. But then the end product doesn't come because you have you know Slowpoke in the in in, in the, as a forward. Um, yeah, it's it's just an unfortunate situation for Besiktas fans. I think that you guys have a lot to do in the transfer period um, because it, just playing, just keep playing with uh, with Janer as a left back, and uh, you know I think a lot of Besiktas fans are going to have gray hair or just lose all their hair in like the last in like the following year. What about you, Umut? Are you seeing a lot of changes between uh, Abdullah Afci's Besiktas and, and Sergen's Besiktas? Well, uh, I can say that Abdullah Afci's Besiktas was quite boring in the attacking phase because it was kind of slow, you know? Uh, he he loved to build up attacks, but Sergen has a mind of like uh, more straight into going to goals. Uh, so he uses his uh, wingers as regular wingers who dribble past fast paced and mm-hmm. he used... are also going more through the center now i felt like under afchi they were relying a ridiculous it was almost like under Shinal Gunesh the last two seasons where every ball was going to Quaresma and then he would just pump it in the box. And the uh-huh. same thing was under Afchi with with Janer, he was just pumping the ball in the box constantly at where the mid the center of the pitch seemed to be completely ignored and now we're seeing a lot more from the center of, of the of, of the pitch the equalizer for example also comes from a setup from the middle uh through tyler board playing it into el neni who then gets the assist across yeah. to burak yeah but as i say every time you can say that uh, if besiktas had a better conversion rate in part of goal and we say that because besiktas actually gets Pretty much chance, plenty of chances during games, but he yeah, can't work because uh, Burak is not as clinical as he's used to be. So uh, we see him having chances in front of goal, but you just can't, uh, can't simply put it into the net. It just mm-hmm. uh, and we also see uh, Nkudu and Diaby getting chances, but they're also having tough time scoring. So uh, it isn't because Besiktas is a bad. Uh, team is in a shape, but uh, the end product is not there yet. But uh, I think uh, being patient and it will come to uh, Besiktas at the end. Yeah, let's move over to Galtzray then. Galtzray beat Genshterberly rather easily at home. They took an early lead through Ryan Donk. Um, Galtzray have now won all their matches in 2020 in the league. Uh, six, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that have been. And of course, they also won the one match just before. Uh, January January uh, break. So there's seven wins in a row right now for Galatasaray. What is the big difference uh, between the first half of the season's Galatasaray and the second half of the season's Galatasaray, Umut? Well, uh, I think the main difference is the uh, team uh, has a, now a shape of a fast-paced, uh, uh, you know, uh, ideology. You know, we have uh, Henry Onyekuru right now and 
on the other other side, I think because of Linus's arrival, uh, as he is registered to the team line again, mm-hmm. so that maybe uh, pressured uh, Mariana to the edge, uh, and yeah. he has been performing really well, and he I think made his sixth assist uh, in the league, and all uh, uh, five of them yeah. came in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I, I'm not sure actually he got four in the second half of the season that I know yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, could he, be. Did he yeah, assist he the, 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 the second Falcao goal? The last one, the 3 no? Did he assist that? Because I know he... No, I don't no, no, the last one was came, uh, came from Feguli. Okay, so I know he got one assist in this match, and that was four assists in 2020 for him out of the five total that he has this season. So uh, you criticized him quite a lot in the first half of the yeah. season, but he has definitely stepped up his game now. Yeah, definitely. He's been uh, performing really well uh, during every game. I think it could be because of uh, uh, Linus's arrival, and it could be because of the uh, other wingback, our uh, other wingback, uh, Marcelo Saracci. Uh, mm-hmm. Because... As the game is balanced uh, in the both sides of the pitch, now we don't rely on Mariano's feet anymore, just like uh, desperately. You know, uh, we have an as an alternative on the other side of the pitch, and uh, it actually uh, it doesn't give him too many responsibilities on the field, and he doesn't have to uh, rush himself or like force to perform himself. So he is in a better mentality I think right now and uh, seeing Galatasaray we saw once again uh, Terim started with Radamel Falcao instead of Adam Bug. I, I have mm-hmm. no clue about that uh, why he insists on playing Falcao maybe he's, well, he's trying... scoring now he's scoring but you know uh, these are easy games you know uh, also Adam deserved it better you know as he was performing consistently so I think he deserves a little bit uh, chance after these games. He's been scoring and scoring after, and he saved a lot of matches as well. Uh, last week, I said it, it was okay. It, it was a high-tension game. It's a derby, mm-hmm. and a long years of not winning there. So, uh, Fenerbahce unbeaten in Saracolo. So, you can see the uh, reason behind it. Falcao, who has many years of experience in these kind of games throughout his career, Many times, but Adam is suddenly a dropped player to the substitute. And I don't know why. But Fatih Terim knows Adam Buk will be ready when he is called upon again. I think Adam Buk knows. Look, I'm, I'm the second, the second guy here. I'm behind Radamel Falcao, but he is the type of personality he's going to be ready when he's called upon. So I, I, I get where. You know, because Falcao is scoring. If he wasn't scoring, then it would be different. But he's scoring goals now. He's scored twice here. Of course, he scored last week from the penalty spot against Fenerbahce. He scored, um, is it six goals in his last... Or eight goals in his last six games? I uh, in remember. all competitions? Yeah. So, I mean, Uzer is completely on the Falcao bandwagon, of course. But you don't seem to be... Did he, Has he not impressed you uh, in recent weeks? I think he's been uh, picking up matches, you know, like uh, game uh, I can perform. Uh, like you, you, you did see that in his Fenerbahce game, he played brilliantly. Like uh, he opened up space for Onyekuru uh, time after time, pulling Sardar and Jailson to his side, and in the other side, Onyekuru's fast-paced man uh, having the room to sprint it off and 
had too many chances in front of Fenerbahce goal, but this time I don't really get the uh, impression on him because uh, he misses a lot. Uh, like how you're frustrated with Burak, I'm frustrated frustrated with Falco as well. And checking right now, I can see that in 12 games he has been uh, no not uh, yeah 12 league games he scored eight, mm-hmm. and in total in 18 games it's uh, nine. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, missing a lot, I can say uh, Adam we could have scored them uh, with ease because it, there's a one position where the goal was open uh, is an empty net and he struggled mm. to finish it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and many of his goals have been tap-ins, I, I think. And penalty. I don't know if he has a lot of penalties, maybe two or so. I don't think he has that many penalties. Like, of course, obviously last week, and I think he has at least one more. But I don't think he's not—he's not a penalty merchant, you know. He's not like scoring half of his goals from a from the penalty spot, like Burak is, for example, right now. Yeah, but uh, I'm not gonna criticize his tapping because he's a great uh, off the ball player. You know, he knows yeah, of course, where to run, and yeah. you can't criticize it yeah no no uh, you have, still have to score it i mean a tap-in is just as valuable as any other goal but he's not scoring uh the the surlot type of goals where you know like the the surlot equalizer against fenerbahce for example which which really reminded me of uh mario gomez's equalizer against uh, galtzrai when snyder had uh p- punished guven uh Gunais uh, blunder at the back and then Gomez immediately got Besiktas back in the match through a fantastic individual effort on the edge of the area and, and Surlot has some of those goals really this season where he has really put the team on his back and brought them back into games or scored a very crucial uh, goal early um, and that's something that uh, that we see uh, I, I actually posted a stat on Twitter earlier today uh, where I'm not looking at the total goals necessarily. I'm looking at the total first goals. So, you know, from the 19 goals that Surlot has scored this season, 10 of those have been the opener of a match, which we all know the opening goal is usually the hardest goal. You know, yeah. once you get that first goal, then it can uh, s- snowball. And then you can get two, you get three, you get four. If you're a good team, then you can uh, you know, build on that. But the, the first goal is usually the, the difficult one, especially against tough defensive units. You know, For example, the Rizespor, who like to uh, you know, organize well, make it difficult, and, and, and defend, you know, those first goals are very important. And, it's inter- and therefore, it's an interesting statistic. And so it's obviously the leading... Uh, goal score both in total goals but also in the first goal stat which he has 10 in um and quickly just taking a quick look at uh at the total list because i like i said i have it up on 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 twitter on my personal twitter account and uh, it's it's a rather interesting list uh so in second place we have Cisse, who also is second in the top scorer standing with 16 goals but he has seven openers then we have bogdan stanku from genshterbali also with seven that's also very important for a team that has been fighting relegation they're in a good position right now but those seven goals definitely went a long way for them to uh get points Burak Yilmaz from his 10 total goals he also has seven openers uh, Adis Jaovic has six from 13 uh, Crivelli has five from nine then Baba has five from eight and Ad- uh, and, and uh, Edin Vicha has five from eight so uh, yeah the three top scores for Basakshi here all uh, have five openers throughout the season uh, in between the three of them so that's also quite uh, quite 
impressive, I would say. Then uh, Vedat Muric, who has been uh, good for Fenerbahce this season, of course. He has 13 goals already, but he only has four uh, openers. And uh, Mustafa Yatabare, for, who has been the main man for, for Sivaspor up front, he only has uh, four openers as well from his 11 goals. But a very interesting statistic I thought was Anthony Nwakaeme. Uh, somebody is uh, making some noise, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, Anthony Nwakaeme. He has nine goals this season for Trabzonspor, but he has not a single opening goal this season. I thought that was very curious, and I had to go back to the number 35 player in the top scorer standings with his Dalma Campos from Alanya Spor, who has four goals this season, and he also doesn't have a single opener. But that's so 30 from the from the 34 players in the top scorer rankings, uh, Nokaim is the only one who hasn't scored a single opener. Uh, I thought that was very curious. Falcao, by the way, from his eight goals in the league, he has three opening goals. I thought it was a very interesting statistic. Also, uh, having scored about goals, I can. I have to mention that Omar Bayram is right now with 10th assist in the league and he is the leader of that list and mm-hmm. putting him top of the assist table above Edin Vizca who has 9 assists and he just delivered a similar corner to Ryan Dong as just he did in the derby to open yeah. up the deadlock there and I think he's a mm, real man you know uh, uh, knows how to bend the ball from the uh, dead balls just mm-hmm. like how Dennis Trish did uh, a few seasons ago. He's now doing the similar thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, not uh, really, uh, you know, lethal in the open, open up, uh, open game. You know, uh, do you call it that? Open yeah, game? he has some. He has a good amount of assists from open play too. I think. Yeah, but you know, uh, he's not as lethal as he's the yeah. dead balls. But you also need to keep in mind, Omer Bayram has only gotten into the tre- team like halfway through the first half of the season. So he like he missed a bunch of matches early on in the season where he wasn't even playing and he wasn't taking set pieces. Because I remember in the beginning of the season, Belhanda was taking a lot of the set pieces, which uh, yeah, I think too... Yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah, exactly. For you guys, it was. Um, but let's let's move over then, uh, unless you have anything left to add, Umut, well, we can move on to uh, the league. We can say leaders. that uh, Fleur Andona has returned to the field and he got into the game in the last uh, 10 minutes uh, as he's came, coming from an injury, a long-term injury. It was a, He was injured from his knee. I think it was a twisted knee. And uh, I've seen his Twitter uh, posts as he's uh, working in the gym uh, mm-hmm. to return stronger. And he had a really serious chance uh, after his coming, but he, he was quite unlucky there. And uh, Genshabili keeper Nordfeld uh, denied him with a great save. And But uh, Andone looked pretty weak and fragile uh, during the uh, duels uh, uh, against his uh, defenders. Uh, but mm. I hope he'll get you know his recovery right and uh, he'll be as strong as he was. Yeah. And Northfield, of course, had a good match again, and he has been playing very well since coming uh, in the January transfer window for uh, against Eberly. Let's move over to the le- the current league leaders, which are Bashakshi here, because they won their match against Gaziantep. Um, not really that much to say. Pretty straightforward win for them uh, in Ga- uh, at home against Gaziantep. Three to one, it was there. So coming off their really good period midweek, uh, their glorious win against uh, Sporting. Now they also get a 
good win in the bag against Gaziantep, but that's the type of match that you always expect uh, Basakshi here at home to be winning right now, I think, in the, the form they are in. Uh, Ankaragücü, uh, Sivaspor, by the way, that one ended nil to 3 but there was a little bit more controversy here due to a red card that was received by Ankaragücü. I thought it was very curious, though, uh, because before the red card, I really felt like Sivaspor were, were the better side, were having the better opportunities, more dangerous attacks, but as soon as Ankaragücü got that red card, it seemed to kind of have lit a fire under their asses a little bit, and they really went uh, full throttle and, and had some good opportunities to score, uh, but then Sivaspor in the second half, Half, I believe they scored on a corner through Hakan Aslan, uh, their captain, of course. And um, yeah, maybe they, they, they stole it a little bit uh, against the run of play, at least uh, that 1-0 definitely. And then they ended up uh, scoring two more, of course. Uh, one from a... Well, not directly from a penalty. Mert Hakan Yandash uh, had his penalty saved initially, but then scored a rebound. Uh, and then uh, Yata Bari added one uh, in added time to make it 3-0. Uh, but what did you guys think of that uh, red card for Ankara Gijud? It was a double booking, double yellow. I know our faithful listener Nadim uh, Ankara Gijud Escocha on Twitter wasn't happy about that. Fatih... Uh Fatih Aksoy, unknown from Besiktas, uh, kind of smeared his opponent there with a second yellow. Did you guys think that was warranted? Like You can see that there's kind of like, he kind of swings his arm uh, out and Fatih definitely goes down very theatrically, acts like he got like elbowed in the face or hit in the face. I don't think... Every, def- time, every time I see uh, this kind of position where the hand doesn't even contact to the face but the, to the neck... Or mm-hmm. like to the shoulder, they always fall yeah. apart. Like uh, yeah, handling yeah, yeah. their face, uh, holding their face, covering their face, like crying like a baby. What the fuck is this? You know mm-hmm. what I'm watching? Like Martinaire is what we call it. <laughs> Belgium. Uh, but... Yeah, like just be a man. Like I watched rugby there uh, before the derby uh, mm-hmm. when I was in the pub, and these guys are being uh, like being tackled by eight different people at the same time and they just they, they don't even cry they but just, that's the sports huh? that's, yeah, that's yeah, what rugby yeah, is like, this isn't rugby this is, yeah but you know these are same men you know not, yeah but it's not the same yeah, I know, <laughs> in rugby you expect yeah, that man, yeah, man, in, fo- man. in football you don't expect to suddenly get an arm in, in your throat or in your against your chin or your face or whatever I mean I I can see both sides. I definitely think Fatia. For me, if a player does what Fatia Aksoy does, they should get booked. I think that a player who, who deliberately tries to get another player sent off should get uh, probably sent off themselves. I, I really dislike that. On the other, but yeah, like how spectrum, Dennis Turic did, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when did Dennis Turic? Derby. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I. You know, but I, I really dislike the type of behavior. But especially if it is like completely fabricated you know but here like, i can see both sides because why is he swinging his arm out that much you know like uh, he's a awkward guy you know a tall guy so mm. i'm not saying it's like a red that, card you know, by the way yeah? this this is never a red card but i think a yellow card would be for, sufficient is, is okay but he got a yellow card he was just unfortunate that he already had a yellow card yeah 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 but uh, i mean i i just I just looked at it. I I think that the first yellow is just uh, a, a, an obvious yellow, mm-hmm. but the second one it 
you know, I, those positions like how how Umut is being angry about it, I, yeah. I also think it's really stupid. Um, but I think that flopping or, you know, Schwabers are, are a part of the game. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. But I just, you know, in my opinion, I, I think the same way as you do. Um, I think that Fatih Aksoy should have, you know, just for his theatrical dive, should have, you know, I don't think he should have gotten a yellow, but still, um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty dumb decision. By they the should way, make it a rule. If, if can like I say, a... can I say one thing? Like, yeah, uh, this is because the refs are uh, getting away with the uh, thing, like, like uh, letting these crybabies win the position. You know, mm-hmm. like if. Uh, you want your right, uh, like how uh, true the position is, and you want to tell it to the ref or something. If you don't dive or you don't cry, you don't get the reward, you know. Uh, you get rewarded when you cry on the field, you know, mm-hmm. when you just uh, fall down and uh, cry for a card. And yeah. as for uh, what Dennis Trish did, he didn't cry or uh, dive uh, to the floor or to the ground. He just uh, pursued uh, Jonas Belhanda there, but a little bit more angrier. So he entered Galatasaray substitute bench, and he just uh, started the, you know, fight there. But mm-hmm. if he were to just, uh, you know, do the same as Belhanda did, he would also be uh, red carded instead of uh, the ref actually watching the position from VAR and see the sort of the problem rather than the consequence hmm. I, yeah yeah uh, i i personally i like i said i'm i really dislike when when players are deliberately trying to get other players sent off um i think that if you do that then you have to send both players off you <laughs> know like hype. do you remember that uh, uh manchester united arsenal game back in 2004 uh one star and uh patrick Vieira had an uh, argument mm-hmm. and as Patrick Weir didn't even contact Van Nistar when he was uh, on the ground. He tried to kick him, but it didn't even make contact. And Van Nistar just, uh, you know, escaped from the area as is as he's been kicked or mm. like. But, but that's like, like let's yeah. say let's say a guy pulls a gun on you and he shoots and he misses. Should he not go to jail? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is football, like. Yeah. Uh, you even to, give you an example punch, from rugby you, and you disagreed with me. If you if you try to punch someone or you try to kick someone and you miss because you're an idiot, then you still deserve to get a red card. No, no, like, but in that in that particular position, uh, one yeah, yeah, Star Roy acted like he got hit, but he didn't get hit. But yeah. still, you know, that's that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a and red card anyway. Yeah, like in this position, uh, Ankara Gijewan. Yeah, but he's he not like he's not hitting him or anything. This is not like an aggressive movement. This is just a guy, a yeah, who un- he wants uncontrolled. to just uh, screen the ball, you know, protect mm-hmm. the ball in his hands, and his uh, elbow just uh, unfortunately come to his neck or shoulder, but not to his face. I know that face is a uh, you know uh, you know that danger zone. Mm. Uh, any uh, you know move comes to face should be red carded in any way but if it's like you can see it the position from the review so i think there should be a difference yeah unfortunately yellow cards don't get far reviews i think they should i think they have to change that if a, if a second yellow should get also a var review i think uh, 
that should really be. I think that's really something. Do you we think that add. will make a difference? I think <laughs> it would make. I think that would make a difference because how often have we seen a second yellow that is probably not worthy of a yellow card, and then the player gets sent off? And I kind of feel like referees can still like, you know, if a ref really wants to sabotage a match, like they can't really send off a guy without warrant. Uh, direct red, but they can give a second yellow and just you know nothing, nothing that far can do about it if they wanted to. You know, I'm not saying that that's the case, but anyway. Uh, so quickly, uh, one point I want to point out to Bashakshi here: we were talking a lot about uh, Enzo Crivelli, and I've, I know I'm jumping around a little bit now, but back to the Bashakshi match for a second here. We spoke a lot about Enzo Crivelli at the beginning in the first half of the season. We spoke about Surlot, Muric, and uh, Crivelli at the time. Uh, how both all three of them were in amazing form in the first half of the season, and we we even made that poll like who would you prefer, Sorlot, Muric, or Crivelli? Uh, and Crivelli at the time was doing really well for for Bashakshi here, but he hasn't scored in 2020 actually, at least not in the league. He's still on nine goals, the same amount of goals he was on this in the first half of the season. But then we have seen Dembaba enter the fray. He's come into the team and he's got. Eight goals already now for for Bershakshir. Kivelli is still playing, by the way, but he's just playing more on the wing now. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see how they they sh- they shifted that and uh, how Dembaba is being very important right now uh, for the team. And I think he's not just contributing through his goals, but he's also linking up really well. He's laying off the ball, holding up the ball, uh, providing it for Edin Vizca to start a, a promising attack and stuff like that. So it's very interesting to see that right now. And uh, also hearkening back to my point earlier where both Crivelli uh, all three, Crivelli, Vizca and, and Dembaba have five opening goals. I think that's interesting uh, as well, for sure. And they that does, definitely deserves a little bit of credit from Okamburg because he uh, deliberately went away from a, a striker that did really well in the first half of the season, but he decided to put Dembaba in there because he services his needs more, and then he shifted Enzo Crivelli to a different role. Uh, but of course, he's still contributing. Uh, anyway, so then we pretty much covered all of the the top sides in the league. I think in in terms of uh, um, the yeah the, the title picture, the European tickets. Let's look lower now. Of course, we already spoke about Ankaragücü, and we know they are still in the bottom three. Uh, but there's a couple of other teams involved there. Let's start off first with uh, the Denizli Spor Malatya Spor match. This match also important for that relegation battle. Uh, I feel Denizli Spor won this one two to nil, which uh, gets them out of the relegation zone at least for uh, the time being. Denizli Spor are currently um, sitting pretty comfortably at the moment on 27 points in 10th place, which puts them seven points above the drop-off mark but you never know it can go really quickly in the relegation zone but a 2-0 win for Denizli Spor we were talking about Denizli uh, just last week how they weren't looking so fresh uh, and and this was really uh, a match between two teams that have been on very poor form in 2020 especially Malatya Spor now they have lost all of their league matches in 2020 ever since Firing Sergen Yalcin after their loss in the cup, which was before the start of the the, the, the second half of the season. This was in Jan, uh, end of January, so I think uh, in the cup against Sivaspor they lost four one and they fired Sergen. Uh, and ever since that, they lost all six matches they have played. Uh, they ended the first half of the season in eighth place. Now they're already finding themselves in thirteenth place. So uh, plus. 
they of course have accumulated zero points in in six games. They now are only uh, four points above the drop off, and they are simply the team in worst form in the league. Um, yeah, they haven't won a match in eight. So the last eight matches they have failed to win. Their last match was uh, win was nine games ago against. Bishiktas away in Vodafone Park, um, <laughs> nil to two that was, and that was already a very flattering win for them at the time. So yeah, they're really doing poorly, and I, I don't really understand their decision to fire Sergen. I'm glad they did, uh, for obvious <laughs> reasons. <laughs> I'm glad they did, but Malatya Sport, I, I, you know, I've been saying it for weeks now. I think they're gonna go down. They have four points now that they can still. Breed with a little bit, but the way they are playing at the moment, uh, things are looking very grim for them. Denizli Sport with that win, they now have breeding room, I think, that should put them in relative safety now. But yeah, Malatya Sport, everyone else is picking up points. Ankeregiju is picking up points, Kayseri Sport is picking up a lot of points. Um, and and, Malat- and Konya Spore, yeah, they're, they're picking up some points too. So Malatya, the only one who are picking up a single point. What do you guys think? Is it uh, is it time to pull the alarm bell? But what can they do? You know, they lost Guillerme. I think it's because uh, Kemal is this, you know. Uh, I didn't see his uh, him making any difference in his teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than Kasem Pasha, which is an Istanbul team with a great financial situation... And no, even not even a pressure because they they don't have any, uh, you know, fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they're more or less like Başakşehir, but uh, more of an history team uh, compared to them. But even then, uh, I think after Sergen and his charisma, you know, uh, his influence in the team, uh, Kemal Özdeş couldn't make any difference and. Any influence in that uh, team group uh, after Sargan's departure? Because Sargan is a man uh, whose uh, history is beyond reach, and he he has done it all, and he's been through all, and he also has the character uh, characteristic to influence all the players because he's already the you know man. You know what I mean. Hmm. He's the influence in in the point. So Kemal Özdeş is not like that. He's like a, a winger, a wingman there. Like so, uh, like the second man. And I don't think he'll ever reach the charisma that uh, Sargan put there and influence the players on his command. So I think the team is uh, doing pretty uh, bad under his command right now. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think I ex- I said this last at the end or preview of the season. I, I expected Malatya Sport to struggle, uh, but that was based more on the fact that they had to play European qualifiers and stuff like that. And I, we've seen in the past with, for example, Karabuk Sport and Konya Sport that when you have to do uh, when you have that European schedule for teams like that, it, it can mean some struggle. But they did had a good first half of the season, and I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised by Malatya Sport. But two key factors in their performance, of course, were Guillerme and Jahovic, and both of them uh, were let go or allowed to leave, whatever you will, in, in, during the January transfer window. Guillerme going to Trabzonspor, Jahovic going to Antalyaspor, who were at the time in the relegation zone, but now they have cl- cl- uh, climbed to safety. 
but that definitely has cost them as well. You know, they let go of Sergen, but they also let go their two most important defensive players. And yeah, it's just costing them dearly right now. I think they may have sold off their their future in the Super League for 700,000 euros, which is yeah, what they yeah. got for Jahovic. Yeah. It's a hard situation. I mean, if you if you if you look at the squad, um, I have the I have the top scorers um, of this season in front of me, and you have Jaovic at number one. He is mm-hmm. gone. Uh, Bifuma is number two with six goals. He is injured. Guillermo is third with uh, five goals. He is gone. So you mm-hmm. know you, you you the top three the top three guys you are uh, you know supposed to be uh, dependent on. Just don't score, or are or, or are injured, or or left the club, you know. <clears throat> and if you if you take a look at the uh, at how they did before, uh, before they sacked Sergen. When when did they exactly sack Sergen in, in in the winter break? They sacked him right after the cup loss against Sivaspor, four to one. Oh, so, uh, so that was in January. <clears throat> yeah, so he so was still it, on the bench for the last league match in 2019, which ended one one. Yeah, because if you if you look at the first half of the season, they won against Başakşehir, they lost against us, they drew against Galatasaray, and they drew against Fenerbahce, and they won two 0 against Besiktas. So they actually, you know, um, the games that they should have um, probably lost, they they actually didn't that, do that bad. Mm-hmm. But after 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 Sagan is, uh, was uh, was sacked and um, Kemal Özdeş came in, what didn't he? Yeah, um, it just went to shit and now um they they yesterday signed uh hikmet karaman which once again um <laughs> enforces my thought that there are actually like four trainers in the league that just yeah. you know like, Turkish really, coaching I have to say something uh, that should be a limitation about how these uh, teams are uh, sacking their uh, managers in the same season you know like yeah they are like going all around like what are they doing you just uh, fire one uh, manager and the other team just uh, signs him. Like, uh, mm. what happened to... Uh, I'm talking about what happened to Blant... Uh, what was the name? Uh, Blant... Uygun. Uygun, yeah. Blant uh, Uygun. So, like, horrible coach. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm thinking the same. Yeah. Well, he wins here. No, man. Does, does he, like, though? And also, <laughs> Blant Korkmaz. Blant Korkmaz, uh, I think, is a horrible... Uh, Manager, uh, no dispre- disrespect to his uh, footballer <laughs> career, but he's a horrible manager because uh, if right now Konya Spor uh, relegates, it will be the fourth team he relegated. Hmm. Like yeah, he- that's, a, that's a good segue because Konya Spor also had a very important match in the relegation battle. They played a direct op- uh, uh, direct rival, Kasim Pasha, and for some reason I am really in the mood for Karpus right now. I don't know what that is. Uh, but <laughs> Konya Spor played <laughs> against Kasim Pasha, and that was a very important match for both teams. That match ended in a scoreless draw. Uh, which really doesn't help either side, really. Uh, Kasim Pasha with that have 20 points now. Konyaspor have 22, so they're two points above the drop-off. Uh, Bulent Korkmaz has, has been in charge for three matches um, at the moment, I think, at, at Konya, and I believe they got two points. Uh, but they okay. really, yeah. But they should be really uh, picking up more, and it doesn't really help either side. Um, and Umerali uh, Shiner is something that's jumps out to me every week when I watch the matches or I, I watch the highlights. He's always one of the players that jumps out because he gets in positions and stuff like that. But that was a guy that two seasons or so ago 
um, or even I think like a year ago, we were talking about him maybe. Yeah, but we were talking about him possibly going to Fenerbahce and stuff like that. When I could, I remember talking to Burak, I think I talked to Burak about it, like when I could went back to Fenerbahce, uh, he and I were talking about, well, should he take Omer Ali Shainer with him perhaps? Because Omer Ali Shainer was really a hot commodity at the time, a very good Turkish player. And it just seems like he has missed his window right now, um, where he has just yeah decided to, to stay loyal to Konyaspor. Um, but I don't know how old he is now, like 27 or something probably. He probably missed that uh, opportunity for him to, to, to go to a bigger club, and potentially now he, he's looking at a, at a relegation uh, with, with, uh, with Konya Sport, and in part that will maybe be his fault, because he had a couple of really big opportunities in this match that he really should have put in the way, and uh, he didn't, of course. <laughs> yeah. Konya, definitely one of those teams also that just aren't on a good form trajectory. Malatya Spor are, are the worst uh, by far, but Konya Spor, yeah, you you can still see a lot of life in Konya Spor, though. Like, they, in this match as well, and I seem to recall last week or so, too, like, they really want to win. They're, they're putting in all the effort, but they're just not getting it done, unfortunately. I think at some point it'll probably start clicking for them. I don't... I, I know I've said I think they are, they are definitely a candidate for relegation, but I think Malatya Spor is going to go down at the moment. That's how it's looking. And one of those bottom three, probably Ankara Giju, but at the rate it's going, Kayseri Spor picking up a lot of points too, because they beat Gustepe this week. And uh, that gives them eight points out of their la- last four matches. So eight out of 12 possible points. And they have nine points in 21 since January, since the January transfer window, uh, or, well, since the second half of the season started, so, uh, no, that's not right, uh, yeah, but they, ha- anyway, they, ha- they still have 9 in, in 21, so they have, I guess, 9 in 18, or whatever, uh, but they're doing really well, Kayseri Sport, unexpectedly, because they looked, from all the teams at the bottom of the table, they looked the most dead in the water, and they're definitely, uh, they have a lifeline again now with that tr- crucial three points they have now 19 points so they're only three points out of safety at the moment so it's really 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 exciting at the bottom of the table if we look at the standings at the minute uh we really have from 13 through 18 those teams are really in danger so in 13 place and in 14 place we have malatya Sport and riza Sport on four, 24 points then we have konya Sport on 22 and then the bottom three have 20 20 and 19 respectively that's kasim pasha angregu and kaiseri Sport. so really from 18th through 13th all those teams three of those clubs are very close to relegation right now and then we have three teams that are kind of hovering in the middle of the table who are safe-ish but they can't rest on their laurels just yet Denizli Spor and Genshterberli both have 27 points and then Antalya Spor has 26 from those three I think Genshterberli and Antalya Spor definitely have a good form trajectory and don't have that much to worry about Denizli Spor now got a crucial win against Malatya Spor but still they have been playing abysmal football so they can't uh, yeah they can't slack off then in 8 and 9 place we have Gustepe on 34 points and Gaziantep on 31 points so those are two teams that are definitely safe from relegation, knock on wood for them. Uh, but they are also kind of still in contention for Europe. If Trabzonspor win the cup, then they still have a chance at fifth place. 
currently at fifth is Besiktas with 40 points, and then you have both Alanya Sport and Fenerbahce sharing sixth place on 39 points. So uh, Gustepe are currently six points out from fifth place, so it's probably gonna be tough, especially since there's really three clubs vying for that position. It's probably gonna be Besiktas, Alanya Sport, or Fenerbahce who will be clinching uh, fifth place if the top four. Uh, don't uh, doesn't change, of course, at the top of the table right now. Bashakshir with 49 points, Trabzonspor, Galatasaray, and Sivaspor all in second place with 48 points. But Trabzonspor still have that match in hand against Malatya Spor in Malatya. And of course, given the way Malatya Spor have been playing uh, in 2020, you would think that. King Sörlot uh, will bag in a couple of goals there and uh, bring the three points home. But you never know. It's football, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, do you have anything else to add in, in regards to uh, that uh, the, the standings right now? Um, no, but I do have uh, something else. Um, as, as, as you guys all probably know, um, it's, it has been a couple of horrible weeks for, for the Turkish national team. Um we we had the news yesterday that Jake Tosun was injured and mm-hmm. probably will lose like six months. So he probably yeah. he won't join us for the for for the Euros. Um, Ozan Kabak is gone. Ozan Kabak has just been injured today or yesterday. But, but he may, may 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 only be out for a couple of weeks, though. I'm yeah, afraid. between between nine and twelve, I heard. But you know, with him trying Pelvic to, to come back, right? Yeah, okay. Mary Mary is uh, Mary is uh, is injured. Yusuf is just injured. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about, you know, um, with 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 Jenk gone, um, I can see I can see Adam Buk maybe being called up, mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, the defense is starting to become a little too tight in my opinion. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, Umutel, you, you you go ahead. Well, uh, it's a tough uh, situation, but I can say we still have Sardarizis in the defense. Uh, I know he's not <laughs> uh, top notch, but. Uh, still have uh, having uh, Chalar Thuinju there uh, as the leader of the defense. Uh, it's really sad to see Merik Demiral and uh, Ozan Kabak. Uh, we still have Khan Ayhan too, and he he's yeah, played yeah. a lot of matches yeah, for us at yeah, central yeah, defense and did really definitely. well. So. Yeah, he's uh, really good there too. But uh, Merik Demiral and Ozan Kabak uh, missing their first ever. Uh, international competition yeah he will probably be fit though i, mean, I don't he, think he, so, man. he might not be match fit but he'll i think he'll be in the squad i think he's gonna get called up and he's going to the euros yeah uh, also uh losing jenktosin is a big issue as well uh i don't know uh Chanel ganesh will rely on burak once again but it's True. a little bit more risky uh and i think as Jakob said uh, adambu probably will be the option there uh, as he's uh, doing really great for the t- uh, Galatasaray, uh, and he's on his form right now. So, yeah. Who else do we have except for Enes? Yeah, uh, that's the issue. Uh, I think. Time to call up Umut Bulut. No, no. U- Umut, <laughs> how how is uh, how is uh, Umut Bozuk doing in uh, France right now? Uh, he uh, was yeah. He had a good- they say he's a good player, but I don't think he's like uh, more of a player than Mevlut is, you know? Yeah, he's similar height and stuff like that, I think, to Mevlut, isn't Yeah. Uh, would you call Mevlut to the national team if you don't have any strikers? 
not now, well, but probably uh, not. But but years ago we did. I mean, when he was still in France, he was a regular call up, and he didn't play much. But you know, uh, yeah, we so have to. We don't have any other choices, man. Like uh, you just have to like maybe <laughs> uh, persuade Adis Yahovic into our national team. He hasn't played for Macedonia yet. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think he probably has. I would imagine. So. <laughs> that's the issue. Uh, we don't have any strikers. That's like how Brazil is right now. Like they don't have any uh, natural strikers in their national team as well. Like sucks that Sorlot isn't uh, is playing for Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, also the best striker in the world right now, Erling Haaland, is from Norway yeah, as well. Yeah. Well, you know, best striker in the world. Yeah, you know, potential. maybe yeah. He's definitely the most informed striker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, for me, I think you know what I really saw from the national team is Mary is really the leader of that defense. I mean, you said Charler, but <coughs> I, you know I, maybe Charler can no, take that. Maybe he's not available. Right yeah, now. but I, I think it's difficult like... to 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 just slot into that role of 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 being the defensive leader. I think Mary was such a big personality uh, for Turkey and and Chalar, uh, I don't know if he uh, he's doing really well at Leicester. He's in a, having an amazing city there, uh, amazing city, amazing <laughs> season. He's having an amazing season with Leicester, and I don't know if he's a, if he's really a leader on the pitch. I don't watch a lot of Leicester games, so I don't really know if he's much of a le- leader figure there. Uh, like uh, the second man, like uh, I think Phil Jones. Was it Phil Jones or Evans? I I always mix them both. Uh, they're from Manchester United. What what was the uh, other defender in Leicester? Was it Phil Jones? Mm. No, it was uh, Evans. It was Evans. Uh, Evans. So Phil, Phil, yeah. Phil Jones wasn't. Yeah. So Evans, uh, I think, is the uh, leader defender, there, and Chalers more like the uh, second man, like who is mm. the uh, more Johnny pacey. Evans. Yeah, Johnny Evans, uh, more of a pacier man there. Well, uh, Khan Ayhan has uh, put in a lot of good shifts for Turkey, so we we have to hope for Mary. I mean, the reason we got through the qualifiers was just having an amazing back line, I think, and, and a good solid goalkeeper with Mert, and then just Mary leading that back line. Um, he was really the most important figure, I think. One, one of the top three, if not the most important player in our qualification campaign, I feel. And, and Chala grew into it during the qualification campaign because he wasn't even starting in the beginning a couple of matches. You know, it wasn't until he really started starting for Leicester, I think, that uh, he really, that channel really uh, started counting on him. Uh, and Khan Ayan was actually playing quite a lot. Uh, and then I think he moved Khan to right back a couple of times uh, when necessary. Uh, yeah, but... Khan as well scored a crucial goal during the yeah against France fight. yeah yeah and, and against France and then he scored twice against France didn't he didn't he score in in the home game too the two nil wasn't that Kai Hanan as well yeah yeah as far as I'm remembering yeah it was Genghis opening the score I think it was Khan scoring the two nil might be mistaken might have been Mary but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Turkey being hit by a lot of injuries, and it's it's a shame because this is really an exciting generation, and uh, also I think it's also good for Turkish football if if we have a good Euros because it also shows look we don't need that damn foreigner restriction because all these guys, the reason why the Turkish national team is successful right now is because these talented players are moving from the Super League or the or of the or even the the, the TFF first division to Europe. 
these aren't all German Turks or Dutch Turks or French Turks or whatever. These are are Turkish Turks, the real (laughs) thing, you know, like Umut, like the Gustav Wonderkid. (laughs) You know, not like like, like myself and and, and Jakub. These are the real thing, you know, real Turk. They don't eat pig and uh, they don't... Like uh, that again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think, yeah, this national team, this generation, we, we all have to hope they do well because it just... I think that it stops the the, the 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 people who for some reason want to bring a foreigner limitation back. I don't know why because because I, of I, their I, managerial uh, you know earnings. Yeah, but no, the, but but the, the big people pushing for it are, are are politicians. They are pushing for it, and and the, the funny thing is, Turkish football is, is an enormous economical crisis, especially the big clubs, and they want to bring that rule back so we can start paying six and seven million again for Ozan Tufan, uh, <laughs> you know, and Tarek Çamdan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's head quickly to the fixtures for next week, and then I will be ending it uh, at that. I think I deleted my notes again. Uh, now I have to go through my trash can. Why do I keep doing that? There we go. So the fixtures for match day 25 coming up. Uh, on Friday, Besiktas take on Ankara Gücü. Then we have Malatya Spor, Konya Spor, Gaziantep uh, Football Club hosting Trabzonspor. Gustepe hosting Başakşehir. That's a, definitely an interesting one, I think, for Başakşehir. A good test for them. Fenerbahce host Denizli Spor. Kasim Pasha Kayseri Spor. A really important match for the relegation zone there. If we can have a winner there, uh, they could theoretically be out of the relegation zone, depending on what Konya Spor do. Uh, then we also have Rize Spor, Alanya Spor, and then Sivaspor Galatasaray. A very important match for the top four and how that will continue to take shape. And then finally, we have Genshterbili Antalya Sport, which right now is kind of the the battle between the teams in the middle of the table. So uh, I would probably, if I was a betting man, I'd put a, put money on a draw there. <laughs> uh, yeah, just quickly, uh, Umut, what are your expectations against Sivaspor? Are you nervous for that match? It's it's your second big test uh, in 2020 in the league. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty much, uh, you know, stressed about it because Sivas is a team uh, that can surprise and uh, do whatever is unexpected during the game. And they have really threatening players. I know uh, Emre Klinch is uh, injured and he is unable. I think he won't. Uh, he played this weekend, so is I it? think he should. Yeah, he, he played. Uh, he got yellow carded. So uh, he, he should be back unless he is suspended, which I don't think he is. Yeah. Um, but so, he's back. And... Yeah, it will be a harsh game for Galatasaray. Uh, mm-hmm. And and will be a great test for Fatirim as well. And I hope Galatasaray will get three points there. And that will be a really, really important three points for the championship. That is a very important match for the championship, undoubtedly. Uh, especially for Galatasaray. And also, I think for, for Sivaspor, I don't know how you guys see it. I, I don't think they have... I mean, they, they point-wise, they de- definitely still have a shot, but I don't know. I think they kind of lost their mojo a little bit. For them, it's mainly about the European spots right now, I think. So for them, it's a very important match in that regard. Uh, but for Galtzrai, you know, if they continue to fight. win, they're snowballing, you know, right now. Like, it's it's a little 
snowball that started at the top of the mountain and it keeps rolling and it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger as long as they keep winning. So uh, for Trabzonspor, very interesting match. Uh, this is uh, Jakub for you. I think you're probably hoping on a... What would you prefer here? A draw or a Sivaspor win or a golf? Yeah, I don't know. As a Trabzonspor fan. I mean... I mean, I mean, the funny thing is, before this game, you you already have um, news online regarding um, Galatasaray. Yeah, Galatasaray already signing signing a uh, signing a pre-contract with Emre Kalinic and Mert Hakan. You know, as Galatasaray used to do. You know, because you know that's Galatasaray. <laughs> oh that's Galatasaray's way of that's Galatasaray's way of winning winning difficult games. Um, ugh. This, I, recur- I just, this recurring uh, it is a, point it is out, like, I think time. it's an ordered news you know like uh, how it's uh, possible it's possible yeah they are doing it you know they're doing it every time uh, when it happens to be a big game like guys are signing this uh, they're doing a pre-contract with this and doing this but that it usually ends up happening as well yeah. isn't it? no <laughs> But we'll, well, we'll see, you know, in the summer. We should put a pin in this. And then in the summer, if they both end up going to Galatasaray and, and uh, they curious, like, like Emre hasn't been playing too well the last couple of weeks. But if Mert Hakanyandash suddenly has a massive stinker, then there is a little bit of smell in the air, I think. Follow the tapes, follow the tapes. No, but um, in, uh, in all seriousness, I, um, I have a feeling that it's going to be like a horrible game to watch. For, for some reason, I don't think it's going to be a fun game to watch. It, 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 it might go like two ways. Either it, it's like the most boring uh, draw there is, or it's there are unbelievable amounts of goals, like at least three goals. But um, yeah, as as a Trabzonspor fan, the best thing I think could happen is a draw. But um, you know, with with the form that Galatasaray is in, um, I do see them winning this. So I hope I hope I'm wrong. If I was a Trabzonspor fan, I think I'd be hoping for a Sivaspor win, to be quite <laughs> frankly. Because, you, like you said, the form Galatasaray are in, they, they need to, a stick in the wheel. Because uh, Galatasaray heading into the, the final stretch, uh, with this amount of confidence, we saw it last season, you know. They, 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 for the entire season, they played like shit, but then suddenly they get in that, comf- that, that zone, that, that, and... Then they start winning everything, you know, and they've won literally everything in 2020 so far in in the league. So uh, if I was a Trabzonspor guy, I'd be hoping for a Sivaspor win. I think. I mean, they play against you guys next week, the, the week after. Yeah, but it's in Turk Telecom, <laughs> Turk Telecom, so you know they'll probably get a, a goal straight from a throw-in. <laughs> oh that should have been for us. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, and then yeah, like I said, you know, really big match in the relegation zone. Um, yeah, th- but those matches, like we saw this week as well, they usually end nil nil. Kasim Pasha Kayseri Spor, the two, yeah, one on twenty, one on nineteen points. Kayseri Spor, the team in form out of the two. Kasim Pasha, not playing great, but also yeah, not 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 dead yet. What do you guys think of that? Logical. Uh, Scoreless draw, or you expect someone to win? Probably a draw. What do you think, Umut? I don't know, man. <laughs> These are. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will be a draw too, like uh, Jakub. Well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make it fun. I'm gonna make a little betting coupon here. I'm gonna ask you both. Bishitash uh, Ankeraguju, one X or two? Uh, Jakub, start with you. Um, Bishitash. 
Oké. Umut. Umut, did you say basic X. test? X. X? Uh, so a draw, oké. Okay. Yeah. Malatya spore, Konya spore. One X or two? Uh, um, uh, Jakub, you first. Uh, probably an X. Oké, okay. Umut. Konya spore. Gaziantep spore, Trabzon spore. I, I, don't bet. I, I don't bet on Trabzonspor. Okay. You're not Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even um, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. We should talk about that. Well, let's 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 finish our coupon quickly. Uh, so, what do you say, Umut? Gazian Trabzon. Trabzon, of course. Okay. Gustav and Basakshi here. Basakshi here. Basakshi. Yeah. Penabachi Denizispor. Denizispor. X. Kasim Pasha Kaiserispor. A draw. Okay. Uh, Rize Ante Alanya. 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 Sivas for Galtzerai. A draw. Hmm. Hard. Draw. That's what she said. Uh, I think Galtzerai, but I haven't uh, taken part, so I'm, uh, yeah. Anyway, Genshin will be Antalya Spor. Antalya Spor. Antalya Spar. Okay, I think a draw. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, let's quickly talk about that then. <laughs> Daniel Sturridge has been released from his Trabzonspor contract. This is our final subject. Uh, and first, I think we all kind of thought like, mm, what's this? Why is it happening now? But then the news started coming out, uh, I think, in, in The Guardian and stuff, that apparently he has been suspended for, what is it, four months? Yeah, um, yeah four months of, of any football because of uh, something that happened back in 2018. Um, of course, in England, it's allowed to bet on transfers, and supposedly he told his brother that he's probably going to go to Sevilla, uh, and that was treated as, like, insider trading, insider information. So, uh, yeah, he got suspended for that and stuff like that, kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, but Sturridge put out a very classy video where he said that, look, I'm, I came to a mutual understanding with Sport to terminate my contract. I'm not going to take any more money from the club when I'm not able to play, which is very classy of him. Uh, and then he also, you know, he said something that, uh, that, that I found curious is that, look, they, the FA have looked into it and stuff, and, and my brother never placed a bet or anything. So, such a weird situation. Plus, why should a player not be allowed to tell their, their family about their future? This is ridiculous. And he also said, look, I don't think it should be possible for players, to, uh, for people to bet on transfers. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's definitely, I think it's very unfair what was happening here. From, what I, from the information I have, obviously I haven't looked into it closely, but... Seems a very unfair situation here for. for I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's. I, I I do think that you know you you should be fined for, you know, insider trading. I would it call this inside trading, but still. Yeah. Um, but supposedly there was like a message that that he that he wrote to his uncle or something, sell, telling him that you know, um, I'm going to Sevilla. Um, bet this much money on it. If I don't if I don't go there, I'll I'll refund you something like that. And mm. it's mm. just so unbelievably dumb from a player that earns uh, a crap ton of wages in yeah, uh, just in give England. Him the money then. <laughs> yeah, you know, no. But outside yeah. of that, why even bet? You know, when you when you earn like he he, he was supposedly earning um, two and a half million uh, with Trabzonspor. No, one and a half million with two million uh, signing bonus each year. 
So you you are already earning around three and a half million euros. Why mm-hmm. why would you do this? And before he came to Trabzonspor, he was probably earning something around that. Yeah, um, four or five million pounds probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so it's just a, unbelievable. He got a Göktenis inside of him. <laughs> I mean, if it if it if it was just that he that he wrote to his uncle and said like, listen, this might happen, and then his uncle went and did this outside of his, um, you know, his uh, his decision making. I would be angry about this also, but if you are a guy that that you know messages the guy and that says like do this, if that is true and he did exactly do that, then okay, then I understand it. But if he just said, look, yeah, I'm probably going there, and that's it, that's the end of it, then I don't think then I think it's very unfair to punish him because you can tell your fucking family. I mean, you know, that's that's the people you should confide in and talk to. And, you know, what do you think? You know, blah blah blah. You know. If, Anyway, uh, yeah, I think we've gone long enough. I'm not sure how long we've been recording. Um, probably close to two hours. Uh, so it's a, it's a it's another lengthy episode of Football All Tracker. But guys, I want to thank you very much for joining me this week, and of course, thank, thank the listeners again for joining us. And uh, yeah, thanks all for listening. We had a lot of listeners last week. I guess that was due to the fact that uh, uh, we were announcing the winner of our shirt contest. But stay tuned because we will be doing stuff like that more often in the future, most probably. And I'm also kind of working on a couple of things right now where we will probably be doing some bonus stuff in the future. But uh, still have to work out the logistics sticks but uh we're, we're planning of doing a little bit more with our patreons and giving them more bang for their buck in in the way of a bonus content but that's something uh we'll be announcing down the week uh yeah again guys thanks and uh, thank you for listening and adios muchachos thank you very much thank you very much everybody is it muchachos or muchachas i don't know i don't know it's feeling dark <laughs> thanks sure. thanks sure.